Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, part of the Decibel Geek podcast network. This week, we get hysterical over Def Leppard's 1987 monster album, Hysteria. Now here to pour some sugar all over you are the hosts, Loose Cannon and Baco. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Loose Cannon, and I am joined, as always, with the probing Baco. How are you, sir? Uh, I am feeling like David Duchovny might be visiting me soon. What does that even mean? Probing. Probing? Oh, like yeah. X-Files? Yeah, able, anal probing. Okay. <laughs> I, I... Oh, because no, of aliens. Aliens yeah, is what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah, Fox Mulder okay. is going to be knocking on the door. It's like, did they have two eyes or three? How are you, my friend? We haven't talked in a while. No, I'm great. I've been, uh, you've been taking the bulk or not the bulk, all of the uh, the heavy lifting for this show lately. I just want to read off. Just some real of quick, these. Do you, do you, before you get into that, I'm I'm not sure. Do you still want to do a podcast? <laughs> I know it's it's been a little bit, uh, but yeah, yeah man, we're it, it, it's been a long time since we did a show. You interviewed the lead singer of Smash Mouth, right? <laughs> yeah. And I believe I, I think his name is Smash Mouth. I'm not sure, but oh, yeah, yeah, Chad Smash Mouth. And <laughs> then you moved over and you did a two-hour interview with Erie Vaughn and actually made me make, just like the whole Wasp thing. I'm going to start digging into the Danzig catalog now. From yeah, those four records I think are worth uh, checking out if you liked what I played on there. I think it's pretty uh, representative of of a lot of the different things they did there. I don't know that you would care for much after. Uh, the the record Danzig Four, but yeah, would you say Lucifuge is the best one? That's number three, right? Yeah, uh, Lucifuge is the second one. How the Gods Kill is three. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay, man, it's it's tough. One of those two probably, but I really like the fourth one as well. Yeah, but and the love... first one is amazing. So, oh, <laughs> so you're, you're just endorsing all of them. That's fine. Yeah, yeah the, it, what a what a cool guy. I mean, that he he just really broke down everything. That was a big one for me. I mean, I'm a big fan, and it just, you know, it, it's probably as close as I'll ever get to talking to Glenn Danzig. And, you know, yeah, he, he didn't have a problem cracking a vein and telling some stories. He did. I don't know that there's a couple times, you know, I tried to do the old Baco humor in there, and I'm not sure he picked it up, but uh, no, no. he did okay with it. He didn't, he didn't get offended or hang up on me. So, I mean, like I said, he talked for fucking two hours, and I, I probably could. I got got into more. There's a lot of stuff I I didn't get into, but I'm like, shit. It's already two hours. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. No, man. But but definitely, definitely, everybody should check that out. And then you also, uh, is is there one I'm missing, or or can I move on to the ladies you interviewed? Oh well, I did Chad from uh, Wilson. Well, that's what I said. The lead singer of Smash Mouth. Okay. Oh, see, now I didn't get your joke. Now we're one for one, or one and one. Yeah, so you can move on to the ladies. 
Anyway, so you also uh, you talked to some broads, some dames, some chicks. Yeah, some some chicarinos. Yeah, you talked to Courtney Cronin Dole or Cr- Courtney Cronin, as she wants to be called, or just Cece, if she wants to shorten it, yeah. shorten it more. CCD. Yeah, that was a great interview. I highly enjoyed that. A lot of that was more of a conversation, you know. Yeah, you, as yeah, you, yeah, we yeah. we both know Courtney, so yeah. yeah, she we had we had a fun chat. I think yeah, that, that's up for people who if they want to listen to it. Yeah, no, it's, that was excellent. As well as you talked to to crotch tightener uh, Doro. <laughs> yeah, baby, she's a fucking smoke show. I think even still, <laughs> she kind of hangs in there a little bit. <laughs> smoke show. I've never heard that term before. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. That was a fun one, too. Definitely check that out. So, yeah, you got a lot of interviews there. If you haven't listened to them, kids, go check them out. But what are we here to do today? We are going to do one of our classic. Let's break down a, a classic album. We did it with Kiss Revenge and Kiss Sonic Boom. Guess what, children? <laughs> <laughs> and we did it with uh, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion. But we're not hitting Guns N' Roses or Kiss again. I think this one's kind of out of the box for us a little bit. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But we're going to talk about Def Leppard Hysteria. Yeah, man. I, I think that I was shocked when you actually brought this to me. But uh, but once you did, it kind of made sense. I mean, I had this album. This is one of the first tapes that I purchased. Okay. And Because uh, 87 was, was my gateway hard rock year. And I remember I would buy one a month. And, I, and you have all the facts in front of you. I'm going by memory here. But I'm going to say this came out in May. It came out in late summer, August 3rd to be exact, nineteen eighty. Really? Yeah. Okay, well. I remember I saw it for the first time visiting my mom in Arizona at like a Kmart or something. Well, I had, it was lawnmower money. So I biked to the, this one, you know, mm. the, the one record store and, and, and bought this. And uh, I remember the cover being kind of cool. I met, but I bought Your it. Your parents couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, take a break from the yacht payments to buy a couple of records. <laughs> This yacht, constantly this yacht. Senior, <laughs> By the way, a yacht came up in another podcast. I've been I've been seeing other men. You know, we have an open relationship. I, I saw uh, yeah. I saw Joey and Victor and and uh, and and Steve. You know, Steve, big Steve, fan of the word name Steve. Steve. Steve and Michael. I have two first names. That's why nobody trusts me, and most people think I'm a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up there, I've been working wa- on that. How'd that sound? Is that good? Yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, you need to slow the track down a little bit to have speed. <laughs> but but besides uh, that, it was spot on. But yeah, uh, so if you want more loose cannon, which everybody does, you can never get enough. You check out Growing Up Rock. Um, there's a VIP episode. There is also a episode with Victor where we do uh, the best of the worst. If you're a VIP. But also, I'm going to be on Rock Strikes Ten sometime in the next whatever month, whenever uh, Joey can figure out his computer. What did you guys talk about? What are you going to you going to tease anything there? Oh, sure. I did my top ten Turkish prison albums. Oh, right on. Uh, I changed. I was told that Desert Island was was, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk about what I would enjoy most in a uh, in Turkey. Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus had to make the list. <laughs> no. Well, hey, what about Def Leppard in 1987? Uh, you, you you mowed a few lawns. Did you, you walk into the store with your your uh, Chuck Taylor high top still green from the fresh cut grass, and you slapped your 943 down and picked up a cassette at the local Pomida? What do they have out there in Indiana? No, it's just like a just a, on a Woolworths. <laughs> this is just like this is actually an independent record store called Vons. Oh, okay. It. Yeah. So cool. Uh, but 
but yeah, so I, you know, back, back then it would be, you know, when you put down your 10 bucks, that was, that was an investment. You got, you were hoping that thing was not going to suck. Yeah. I held out on this one for a little bit. Uh, I, I I wasn't and still I'm not a huge Def Leppard guy. I do think this is an amazing record. Spoiler alert, uh, and we'll we'll get into all the reasons why there. But yeah, I, I the, the lead single. What was the? You know, I I don't want to get into all that. I just held off a little bit uh, picking this one up, but uh, eventually, of course, it made, found its way into my tape collection. Yeah, but I don't know how what order you want to go on this, but there's a lot to talk. I, I, you tell me why you, we chose this this album. Well, it's not just a monster album, and and I know like you know we like to talk about records we like, and we just recently talked about a record we hate, which was also a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, this, there's a lot of, it's a very interesting story between the record before this and and when this came out. Plus, what happened with this album when it did come out, and, and also how it was marketed, how it kind of changed things a little bit as far as what the band was going to do sonically. Um, I, I just think it's a fascinating time in Def Leppard. I mean, it is it is the most conversational part, because the record after this is when you, you I checked out and basically said, thanks, Def Leppard, I'll just keep what I got. But, uh, yeah, it's just, um, I, that was my, f- when I just started thinking about it, I think I was doing dishes, you know, like I like to do around here. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I was, for some reason, my brain drifted off onto this, and then I was can, like, I can, should, I should try to lose. Can I, can I, can I describe how that went down? Yes, exactly. Let the people know. I, I, I'm okay. pretty sure you have a spot on rendition. No, here we go. <laughs> scrape, 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 eggs. <laughs> scrape, 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 pasta sauce. Scrape, 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 hysteria. That would be a great episode. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much exactly. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? What a weird thing to think about when you're doing dishes. I think of nothing except that I. Yeah, I might have been just masturbating. Who knows? I, I, <laughs> I lose. I, I lose time. All, all, all sorts of parts of the day loose. I don't know what's going on upstairs. Let's see what stroke, stroke, stroke. <laughs> Hysteria. All right. What if I was uh, uh, getting cat food uh, out of the bag and pouring into a big container? How would that go? Uh, that's not kibbles good. and bits, kibbles and bits, hysteria. <laughs> I get the dog food. Whatever. Let's carry on. <laughs> okay, we move on. But but seriously, when I'm doing dishes, all I'm thinking about is I wish every single dish I have was paper I could throw at the trash. Yeah, what a fucking uh, pain in the ass that is. Yeah. Well, when I was single, paper plates were the way to go, man. Oh. All the time, everything, the whole world should be paper. Burn it down. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> all right. So, where do you want to start? Should we back up a little bit on uh, just coming out of Pyromania and they're kind of, I don't know. I suppose the car accident is probably a great place to start, yeah, if you ask me. I, I mean, th- this band has so much, you know, uh, history and uh, and tragedy and everything like that. I really think they should make a VH1 movie of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was good. Did you watch it? I watched some of it. I couldn't finish it. It was pretty bad. Yeah. It reminded me of a, a, a rock documentary movie. It did. It was missing um, some phantoms. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would have made it better. I was hoping at some point you'd see Rick Allen being put back together by, by Devereaux. Oh, yeah. Now, you know what? There There is talk of a, a Kiss Me, a Phantom of the Park remake going around. Maybe that can be kind of a plot twist. That would be. It takes just, place around the 1983-84 car crash of Rick Allen. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you want to talk about impressions of Def Leppard going into this? Kind of where you were at? Or sure, okay. How, yeah, um, how, Def Leppard 
Def Leppard, you know, kind of at the same time as Quiet Riot kind of blew up kind of hard rock in, in a popular sense. Uh, Quiet Riot was a band that I instinctively was correct on that these are great songs. I won't like anything else in this record. I never thought Metal Health was that good of an album. But uh, Pyromania, remember I told a story a while back of my sister's cool boyfriend with the sweet stereo? Yeah, he, yeah. Ha- he had Pyromania, um, and he burned or burned. Yeah, listen to me, big millennial wow. kid. Now he made me a cassette direct to tape. You know, I'd never heard of such a thing. Like, wait a second, so the sound goes right to the tape. There's no microphone, <laughs> and you know, and it to me it sounded pristine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyway, yeah, I played the shit out of that, and I I love that. Uh, Pyromania is my favorite record by them. But, you know, and then the, the car accident stuff happened, and then uh, it took so long for Hysteria to came up. By that point, I was really into a lot of other stuff, and it just wasn't that important. I didn't care for the direction Def Leppard took. You could see it starting to happen with Hysteria, but from there, I, I pretty much checked out. I do like Joe Elliott's voice. I, I, it's a great power rock singer. Uh, but he's a real douchebag as a person, I think, you know, uh, I saw the Def Leppard storytellers and he basically like a fan said, Hey, it wouldn't be cool if you played, uh, you know, some stuff off the first two records a little more deep. And he's like, Oh, you got to remember, you know, maybe you want did the Paul Stanley thing. Like, you know, not everybody really knows those songs. So nobody really wants to hear it. You probably do, but we got guys in the band that didn't even play on those records. And I'm like, Oh dear God. You realize this is a fan asshole. Plus, he's very chippy about being lumped in with the bands they should be lumped in and really yeah. wants to be, you know, he, he wants the world to view Def Leppard like Queen. I'm like, you, you named your band Def Leppard and it gave it about the most 80s metal logo you can think of. Are you better than Poison? Hands down. Yes, you are. Uh, but you're not better than Poison in the sense of that you, you, you shouldn't be categorized or share fans or anything like that. No, there's. I'm in the, the same boat as you. I mean, I, I like Pyromania. Um, I like this album, most of it. We'll get into that. But and I like some of their first two, but I'm yeah. not. I'm not a fan of uh, when people say like "On Through the Night" is a masterpiece or whatever like that. That's. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you heard it? Seriously, it's not that good. There's some great songs on it and couple. And, yeah, the couple, and obviously "Let It Go" is fucking awesome, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I can take or leave him for the most part. The thing I'm fascinated, and Joe Elliott as a singer, I think he's okay. He's definitely got magic vocals now. If you see him live, I've seen him twice. Oh well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm saying in his prime, I'm right. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying that in general, I never thought he had that great of a voice. I always was just, and I'll go into this too, and, and listening to it is, I'm just always fascinated about the soundscape of what Mutt Lang did. Like he t- basically took it. He t- and this is the thing with Mutt Lang too is he went from, you know, ACDC doing those albums, Pyromania, but p- the leap from Pyromania to Hysteria, and then from Hysteria forward for all of Mutt Lang's career is like Hysteria times a billion. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the production, mm. the slickness of what he did. Sure, and Shania Twain. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you say Mutt Lang's not any good anymore, well, he did bag Shania Twain, so he's good to go. Fair enough. We know where we stand. Let's get into hysteria.
right, so, uh, you know, we Pyromania was a monster record. It really put Def Leppard on the map. It was also kind of like where MTV took off, so that helped a lot. Uh, I will say this. I've always thought they were a lot uglier than they've been given credit for. They've always been referred to as these good British, good-looking British lads, and I think other than Steve Clark, they're all kind of fugly. You know what I mean? They're, they're just not handsome men. And Joe Elliott, you know, has never, you know, I mean, does he own a mirror? I mean, his hair has never been good, has it? <laughs> it's always kind of been a, a mullet thing. And I also and think now I it's dress- like a sheepdog. I don't even I- I don't know, um, but but Steve Clark is not the one that I'm attracted to. I would I would definitely say that uh, Phil Collins. He's got a nice nice uh, six. Fair enough. Nine. Yeah, the two guitar play. Yeah, especially now, boy. I uh, that guy likes the gym and steroids <laughs> and and uh, and uh, HGH. Well, anyway, Rick Allen celebrated uh, the the this newfound popularity by uh, flipping his car somewhere in in England, and uh, I, you know the, the accident. You know, I mean, this was. I really wish she could kind of take some some young people back and go back and and it was just fascinating how the rumors spread because it made news but it wasn't like covered like you know heavy and there's no internet and, and stuff like that and magazines were on like a three month delay so you really wouldn't get the whole story for a few months uh, but yeah he lost his arm in a car accident and uh, like any band would do when their drummer uh, loses an arm Def Leppard decided we don't need a new drummer. <laughs> Uh, I think that is one of the most fascinating things about this because Rick Allen is a good drummer. And while it's not easy to be a studio-level drummer, if you're Def Leppard at that point, it is easy to find someone as good as Rick Allen. You're not replacing Neil Peart or uh, Alex Van Halen if you follow my drift. Uh, It seemed odd that they would hang on it at this very critical moment in their career, but they did. Yeah, so... On December, it looks like it was December 31st, so New Year's Eve is when he flipped his Last his day of 83 over. or 84? A- oh, 84. 84. 84. I'm looking at Wikipedia here. Driving a um, Corvette. Detroit Steel, baby. <laughs> yeah, it, it is It is odd, and I think you've mentioned it before. Did you want to continue yeah. on that a little bit? I no, just I, what are comments. your thoughts on that? I mean, that's I a, think, basically my whole synopsis. I would have... I would have not blamed them for moving on. I, 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 you know, they moved on from Pete Willis pretty easily. They didn't seem to have any issue recording a record while Steve Clark was passed out in his apartment. Uh, it, it, why hold on to this guy? Uh, again, maybe maybe he's got some like dirt on on a couple of the members, or maybe he <laughs> just. He, I, I'm saying his skill as a drummer was not the reason they kept him on. Maybe it was loyalty. Maybe. Just really good friendship, you know. I, I I trusted something more like that than the the garbage I was just saying, but no, and it has to be because I think that Rick Allen is one of the reasons that actually uh, forced their hand or lack of a second hand into <laughs> in, into the kind of uh, music that they did going forward because it, it became very. I mean, the rhythms, you know, are extremely simple. You know, however, I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with it in the way you're stating it. It, no. it, it, it affected their sound for sure because they, they went with a more slick, programmed the uh, drum sound, the drum yeah. sound, then too. Yeah, but not just the drums. I mean, everything changed. The, right. the bass was now almost a almost had a synth sound to it, and so did the guitars. It was like it was hard. I mean, it, the guitars on on this record are so modulated and compressed. It's, uh, I mean, to a level that that. You know, no other band did during this time. I actually really sensed, for the most part, with a lot of electronica groups kind of used uh, sounds they did then. But I'm not even sure the electronic artists are using actual instruments like they did. Right. Well, that that's kind of Mutt Lang's uh, signature thing going forward. 
where he makes guitars almost sound not like guitars at times. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they're they're mixed. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's well, a, I mean, a lot of the production unique techniques sound. Unique he was sound. still doing on Pyromania, though. I mean, and and a lot of this album was recorded without him, so it it's difficult to to just give him all this stuff and say everything he did after that was was because of that. I mean, he recorded the drums one drum at a time. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Like, you know, Rick Allen would play only the snare part. And then he would play only the hi-hat part, and so that way he, uh, everything was this perfect isolated sound. And he did that on Pyromania. You know, it took fucking forever to track drums, you know, but, you know, and I can't imagine how a drummer could do it, I, but he did it. Maybe that's, maybe he's a lot better than I think he is. <laughs> yeah, then, then you got to go with the fact that it was such a big deal. Remember, every single article was the fact that it's it's been four years mm-hmm. four years where these days you know three years is average or or if somebody gets an album out in two years they're like wow that's that's pretty quick for that yeah, band, definitely you know? yeah. but four years was an eternity between pyromania and this yeah one. i think motley Crue uh had a year and a half because of vince and that seemed forever and that was right. sort of in this time frame and uh well, yeah, Rat probably released their entire catalog between Pyromania and Hysteria. <laughs> Pretty much. But th- th- then I'll say this, too. That, but but with that said, this album sounds like a album four years in the making. This is like one of these, like every Very much so, yeah. Production-wise, so, you go, yeah. oh, I can see why it took four years. Right. Well, let me knock out a couple facts about the record, and then we'll kind of get into it if you like. Is that all right? Please. Uh, well, initially, uh, uh, this is uh, all from uh, the re- most reliable source on the internet, Wikipedia. Uh, but the album was supposedly going to be called Animal Instinct. Um, John Steinman was brought in after Mutt Lang said he was too fatigued to produce it. And apparently they didn't like the way he recorded them doing Don't Shoot Shotgun. And so then they tried to do it with a, an engineer of Mutt Lang's named Nigel Green. And then blah, 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 blah. Rick Allen lost his arm. And somewhere in the picture, they get Mutt Lang back in it. Oh, and... did you just say blah, 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 Rick Allen lost his arm? Yeah. That's pretty funny. But, well, they, but... We, we, I think we covered the Rick Allen losing his arm thing. You know, but uh, that, I was just trying to point out that those kind of scenarios, they were, they were starting to work on the, the record just before Rick uh, uh, had the accident. Okay. But, but, but I never knew until you told me that that, just now that Jim Steinem was in there yeah, at all. The I, I always, the, the, the legend for me always was that it was a Mutt-Lang album. So I didn't know this. That's wacky. I don't think Steinem did much with them other than try to record one song that never got, the, the recording he did never got used or anything. But right. yeah, Mutt-Lang backed out of it, uh, saying he was just you know tired, he needed some, a break or something. Okay. And uh, what a weird choice. You know, what about that guy that did... Bad out of hell. <laughs> that's right. Get the meatloaf guy. That, that that's great. Who else was 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 going after the meatloaf guy? And uh, yeah, nobody. Maybe just nobody. He was just sitting there waiting. He wasn't Somebody even trying call. to hire himself. No, he was at home. Was like, I'm the sick phone. of me. <laughs> phone rings. Hello. So it came out and uh, it did pretty good, but uh, what, what was the first single? Was it "Woman"? Women? It was. It was. Yeah. And that was the one that that didn't uh, really really push it to the yeah. the lengths. And, and it should be said too that the perfectly the leg- rated. Yeah, but but I think the part of it is too is this this album had I think they had to sell, uh, if I understand 
five million or something. Yeah, right something there. Like yeah, it like says right there, five million to break even on the amount of times they they were in the studio. Yeah, and what a what a racket back then. If yeah, you owned a you studio, imagine doing that now. Imagine imagine owning a studio. No, but just imagine owning a studio and the amount you would just bill these <laughs> these idiots that would take too long in your uh, your place of business. What a great business that was being a studio owner. Oh my lord! Yeah, and just being a rock star, not caring. I mean, I, <laughs> right. Do you wonder if, if like they? I mean, I don't know what kind of money they're they're all sitting on. They have to be doing okay. They still tour pretty good, uh, but do you think they go, man? If I had just been a, I could have set some of that money aside and bought Apple stock or something. You know? oh, yeah, but, but what about the fact that that they would say like, hey, we'll give you a million dollar advance, and then you burn through that money in the studio? Yeah. I would be like. I don't know about you, but we're gonna bust the shit out in two weeks in this like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I I touched on that with uh, Erie Vaughn. I'm surprised. I don't. You don't hear more stories like that. I think Gene and Paul picked up on that vibe in the '80s when things were a little leaner. It's like, you know, why don't we just kind of like go in? You know, we'll get a cheaper studio. We'll go in when we're good and ready. You know, and it just makes good sense. And when you think about it, rehearse sure. the songs. Know what the hell you're going to play them. Don't don't put these all together there. Spend the time on the recording and the production, not the crafting. Yeah, I mean, that, maybe, that was great. And then keep the rest How, of the money. Right, that, that's exactly what he said, and I love that story. That was probably one of my favorite parts of that interview. It was just like, yeah, we got this advance, and we just did it in two weeks. Done. Keep it. <laughs> keep the money. Oh boy! Uh, but yeah, so Def Leppard went a different route. Um, they said well, we're, we're going to need a f- four, four million more, please, uh, and you'll be able to start selling product in four years. One more part on that is think about the insanity of the record industry. Is somebody kept greenlining that and said, "Yeah, we'll keep we'll keep dumping money in this project. That you guys just got to sell five million. No, no big deal. Five million. That's oh, yeah, unreal. to be thinking about that from a from even yeah more. even even for that time five million was a huge record you right. know I mean and the idea that they actually ended up you know doubling that is is even more impressive in in, in yeah. hindsight yeah. Uh, uh real quick note on the cover I I never understood it, it it's it's like it it almost is perfect because the music is a little weird too you know what I mean as far yeah. as how it sounds. Uh, but yeah, just just an oddball mishmash of, of I'm not even sure how to describe it, like a, a a video screen capturing something with a target over the top. Can I tell you what? But when when you told me that we we're gonna do this this episode, I thought to myself, what the fuck was the cover? You know, I I, I was like, I remember it being a bunch of lines and shapes and stuff like that, but I had to go look at it today, and it reminds me. It basically reminds me of Tron. Is the yeah, same that's what it a, looks like like a video game or something. Like a dirty version of Tron. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's two, I forgot there was two people screaming on it, some kind of thing like that. It does it does kind of evoke exactly what it is, which is a very polished, um, you know, techie album in a way. It almost looks like a wolf on the front. I, yeah, yeah, with Tron graphics around it. Why don't we start getting into the record as we go? We can share more stories and thoughts on it. The the album opens up with woman or women. I keep wanting to say woman. Uh, Def Leppard was not about women. They're about women. That's for sure. I don't know if you heard the stories, but they they would actually have sex with people that they didn't really know that well.
Lovely. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, apparently they, they liked women. Uh, I didn't like this song that much. I still don't. It's kind of boring and plotty, and if they thought this was going to be the home run that, that kicked the album off right, then I sh- you know they should really you know take advice from me or something like that. But whatever. It, it's an okay track. There's plenty of great stuff on here, and they, they, they eventually get around to where this thing just takes off. Yeah, no, th- it was a very odd uh, choice for a s- single, and... It kind of set the 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 stage, though. I actually like the intro a lot, uh, the build up. The song okay. itself is is okay, but the the thing about it is, I remember this this album being so dense for me that it took me a long time because I was not used to the sixty plus minute album. I was not used to the every song is an average of five and a half minutes. Yeah, um, yeah. This one clocks in just under six. Yeah, um, and for a lead single on a band that's been away for so long and. Right. It, we all the, been wondering what the hell it's going to sound like with a one-armed drummer, you know. <laughs> but they had but then when they put this out too, they 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 I I like after 6 months, I think they'd sold one or 2 million albums. Uh, yeah, it, it had done albums. well. Yeah. It done but, well and they still said like, man, this is just not doing good enough. It was like this 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 well, terrible They got that guy thing. at the label who greenlit five million dollars. Yeah, he's, he's, he's about to get his ass fired for he's this like, shit. Oh, yeah, I, I thought you guys said this was gonna be good. That's right. <laughs> it was it is an odd, it is a very it's probably their weirdest single or oddest single, however you want to say, because mm-hmm. of the fact that it is not a, a, a really a single. It's an album track, right? I think so, yeah. You know, I I might even like it better if it wasn't a single. The fact that it was the first thing I heard off this record probably tarnished it for me a little bit. I think that's Uh, what it is. I think it's a pretty good song. It's just that it is is definitely a a bizarre choice for a Women. Women. Lots of dirty women. Well, a fun fact about this, with we're talking about it being a single, though. Uh, you, You still could get 45s back then. And if you have the seven singles that uh, they did eventually release on this, those those covers make seven ninths of the album cover. Like they put together like a puzzle. Um, and the plan was to release nine and just have a uh, little the singles make the entire cover like a big version of it. I mean, that sounds just like madness to me. Nine singles. I don't even think Thriller had nine singles or the yeah, biggest album. I don't of all. believe who, to. Yeah. Whoever, whoever had nine singles on any album. Seven. Yeah, is I mean, you, you would get to two, and then the record company would decide if it went further than that. Typically, right? You know, I three mean, is, three cer- is certain typical. bands w- w- would be almost a lock for three, like a Duran Duran or something like that. But uh, or Michael Jackson, right? Or, you know, Kiss, even Bon Jovi at this period. You know, are, is the album selling enough to do with a third single? Nope. Go in the back in the studio. You know, and the idea that they were actually planning nine is just just shows yeah. you there was a little more cooperation between band and label than a lot of artists had at at that time. They must have had some pull with the success of Pyromania. Now, and, and, and I'm not sure if it was now or before this, but this, however you like or dislike this album, this album defines the term corporate rock. Yeah, kind of. I think. I mean, there are some great songs on here, but I'm saying it was so calculated every moment of this album, from the expectation to the 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 money dumped into it. This was not an appetite for destruction. Ended up selling 25 million or whatever. I didn't realize it was this long. The, the song "Rocket" is six minutes and 35 seconds, but I'm now remembering why. <laughs> that it's middle part. The... Yeah, just uh, 
Man, they could have really they could have cut this sucker down to about three minutes. You know what? I've always liked Rocket. I've always no, it's liked... a good song. That I don't need that four minute interlude. I, that's my part that I like a lot. Oh, that you just you cut that out and listen to just that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the. Well, I'm saying that that I hate the fact that uh, the uh, radio version cut that out. And I didn't get a lot of the references like Mott the Hoople and I don't know. Maybe they're referencing David Bowie or something like that. tell you too like like half even though this is the big gang vocals and my god that's the signature of this album is the massive 100 track uh, choruses but mm-hmm. i still to this day a lot of these songs have no idea what the fuck joe elliott is singing on a lot of these songs <laughs> yeah like I can't, I can't i can't hear his his uh like i didn't even know it was satellite of love until like like a a, a, a year so I love. This is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I you know you're more of a lyric guy than I am. I just kind of go for the vibe of, of certain things, and eventually, sure. if the lyrics start cracking through, that's great. Yeah, I anyway. just imagine you with the lyric sheet sitting on uh, your floor, a little loose junior with the headphones on, uh, bearskin rug, bearskin rug, <laughs> shirtless, <laughs> with your Union Jack underwear on. I would like to see you in a sleeveless Union Jack shirt with rocking a blonde mullet. I bet you would Ooh. you would be a perfect uh, front man for a Def Leppard tribute band. <laughs> the guy might be with a, with a, the short shorts too. The little yeah. little uh, what one ball hanging out the side. <laughs> what would you, what would you what would you call it? Uh, hysterical. <laughs> that sounds good. I like it. Okay. Look for that soon. Uh, that'll be at Cobra Fest. <laughs> <laughs> Hysterical will be there. It's, it's, the, it's the one Nashville's man. premier Def Leppard tribute band. It's actually not a band. It's just for a Ten half hour. Ten legs and nine arms. No, it's a, for a half hour, I just sit on a bearskin rug, sweating <laughs> out there with one nut hanging out of my short shorts and a Union Jack, <laughs> Union Jack sleeveless tee. It's performance I, art, people. It is. I just, I just flip through. What kind of magazine am I, am I reading? Am I You're reading, reading a book called uh, Say No to Circumcision. <laughs> what say you? I think that's definitely a lock. Yeah, that's going to be uh, the pretty much. The, uh, well, that's the only performance we can still confirm. Everybody keeps pulling out, but can I run down some of the references real quick? Yeah, go for it, man. But the ones you haven't mentioned, Benny and the Jets. Uh, that was Satellite the Love. One. Yeah, Satellite Love is actually a song by Lou Reed. Uh, you've got uh, Johnny B. They mention little little Gene Genie, Killer Queen, Major Tom. Anyway, that's it. Okay. 
But uh, yeah, all stuff that was really old for me. That's all the stuff Ricky Rocket was really into. This is a song about Rocket. This is a dedication to Ricky Rocket. You know, he doesn't really listen to Kiss or Motley Crue. He's more of a Stones guy. Is that, uh, is that, isn't it terrible that a guy with one arm can drum better than him? <laughs> I don't. It's believable, um, <laughs> if nothing else. Good God. Uh, uh, anything else on Rocket? No, that, that's just about it. Uh, so one, my synopsis is too long. But, 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 give me the order of these. In my mind, it goes uh, woman and then animal. Was animal the had the to be the second uh, uh, video. I was trying to find a list of the singles in the order, and I, I haven't found it yet. But uh, I, as I recall, Animal was the second one. And, again, it seemed like women part two. Just kind of a slow, plotty, mid-tempo. Uh, and then, like, almost kind of creepy lyrics, and at least the way it sang. You know, um, you know, because it's like in, in women, it's like, man, man, you know, it's like you're talking about men and women and a creepy voice. And then it's like animal is like, and I want and I need any more. But uh, <laughs> so I, I think they're they're very symbiotic songs is all I'm getting at. I got to tell you, um, the video I, I sucked. To... Oh, the video is fucking horrible. It had like a circus or some shit. I don't remember what it was. Fuck it was the like circus. That, yeah, fuck the circus and fuck <laughs> that whole editing thing where, uh, who knew that you were going to hear that phrase today? <laughs> fuck <laughs> the circus. <laughs> when you woke up today, did you think you are going to yell that? <laughs> I, I'm just, uh, I know someday I'm going to have grandkids that will hear me say that. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when they ask you to go there. Grandpa, you want to go to the, fuck the circus? <laughs> Just start shaking your fist at cars. So the the uh, where are my kiss CDs? <laughs> I'm going back down to the basement and talk to my friend. Loose cannon. <laughs> but anyway, so going back to this though, the the uh, I think uh, well, I think Animal is. I know we're doing a point counterpoint because I know mm-hmm. you don't like the song, but I think Animal is a perfect pop rock song. It's one. It's definitely in my top. Top five of, of Def Leppard's songs. This really is the top five, oh, huh? Easily.
Well, if Animal was the second single, uh, and we know Hysteria was third and Pour Some Sugar on Me was fourth, where was Rocket? Was that like six or seven? Rocket was, and I actually, in my mind, if somebody told me, uh, asked uh, when Rocket was, Rocket was the seventh single. Okay, that sounds about right. It doesn't to me. I actually, if, if right now if somebody said, like, do the singles, I thought it was going to be uh, Woman, Animal, Rocket, and then Pour Some Sugar on Me. I Because I think that Hysteria, because I'm not a big fan of this song, I just kind of dismissed. Okay. Because it wasn't a rocker for me. Now, um, I'll tell you this in, re- in relation to kind of what you're saying. Looking at the, the track order, I'm surprised this record, because as much as it was played not just by myself, but places I went, parties, people's houses and stuff, mm-hmm. that this song order isn't a little more locked in than, I, than I, I thought it should be. I had Hysteria on side one, Rocket and Armageddon on side two. Uh, you know, if I, if I was to sit down and scribble it out earlier today, that's where I would have put them. Uh, yeah. incorrectly. Gods of War, I, I knew was side track one of side two, which we'll get into. But uh, yep. So the third single, Hysteria. Uh, you you just mentioned you didn't like it. I I, I think this is a great ballad. Uh, I'm a fan of a really good, strong ballad. Now it does have some kind of that weird sounding kind of effect stuff they were doing on this record, pretty much all throughout. Almost every song we talk about has some of that shit going on. But. Uh, I don't know. I I think this is a brilliant, brilliant song. It was easy to see why so many people latched onto it, and I think the lyrics are you know are are good, but the the melody is really strong on this. One of Joe Elliott's better sung songs on the record. No, at now I appreciate it. At thirteen, didn't didn't care for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the now uh, this is it, it is a good ballad. The thing, the, my favorite part though is when that that like symphonic. Uh, guitar thing comes in like that bah, 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 bah. you know what I'm talking about when it starts rocking for a second yeah Hysteria when you're near So yeah, you know, this is where, like I was saying, that, that things really started to heat up for this record, and it would really start to move some units. Women charted at eighty, I think it peaked, and wow, uh, that's it. Animal was nineteen, uh, so a little better, and it kind of yeah. backs up what you were saying and your thoughts on the song. Uh, but Hysteria made it to the top ten, number ten, I believe. That sounds right, and that is going to lead into the uh, before I even look this up. 
I'm going to guess, I don't think that Pour Some Sugar on Me was number one, but I'm going to say it, it peaked at four. And I'm, I, I have not even looked at all. I'm going to guess number one. It did make it number one, you think? I, okay. I'm guessing, yeah. Let's okay. Here we go, here we go. And it is, let me see, the, the position was two. Very close. Yeah, right. It didn't make it to number one. For some reason, I, it just stuck in my head that I don't think it hit there. But what are your thoughts on this song? I loved it at the time. It has not aged well. It's it, This is a song I skip now uh, for a couple reasons. One, I, I think it's really fucking stupid now listening to it. But two, I just heard it so much. The intro is one of the worst things ever recorded and released in on the planet. I think as we were talked about, we built this city. I think the the step inside, walk this way is worse than I'd rather listen to We Built the City ten times in a row. <laughs> what about the fact that the single version was drop me like a bomb, 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 bomb? bomb. I'll take that over. And I thought that was kind of dumb too. Yeah, uh, this I can tell you what. I never completely liked this song, even before it was drilled into our heads when it was was a single. Mostly because I I I, I didn't understand that pour some sugar on me meant like jizz. So so is that really what they're saying? Yes. Yeah. Go talk. I to guess any I'm joke. hot, sticky, sweet. But where's the sweet? It, I mean, everybody knows jizz is salty. <laughs> Get your head out of your ass, loose. No, you, I talked to any interview. You know what? I'm going to patch in a, some interview with Joe Elliott when he's talking. That's what it is. Pour some sugar on me is a reference to something I like, which is to have a woman say that to me as I'm about to jizz on her tits. My the the amount that uh, I, I the level of uh, enjoyment I get out of this song has a lot to do with how hot the stripper is. Oh, I see what you're saying. Stripper yeah, anthem. Stripper song. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. but probably it, it, still. I mean, I should head down to Augie's after we're done here and see what's going on. But <laughs> but again, I... this 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 song goes into what I'm talking about. Though this is a corporate rock song. This is somebody mm-hmm. sitting into in, in a in a studio like a scientist and saying, "Let's make this is what a rock like a hard rock. This is what metal or hard rock or hair metal should sound like." And that's what exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like. Somebody just devised this. It has a. If you, you've noticed the whole um, uh, "We Will Rock You" on the on the choruses, yeah. right? <laughs> Did know that how he's talking too. The the rhythm is the same as. Oh yeah, well you know you always wanted to be queen. Yeah, like I didn't notice that until somebody pointed that out. I'm like, oh my god, it is with a big dumb stupid chorus. I don't know what else you want to say about this. I mean, obviously, it's undeniable as far as it's catchiness because it is. A and uh, we we've of, covered that plenty of times on the show. That catchy means good. <laughs> doesn't always mean good. You're right. Oh no, yeah, it does not mean good. That's what I meant. I mean, uh, but but it's it's one of these things that is that that was a genius move because I don't care if you like rock or not. You go to any place and all the chicks will sing it. All the uh, like all the bro dudes know this song. It's yeah. just it's just part of our culture. Yeah, really, honestly, this is like the song that uh, every jackass at, at a party in different cliques would all be rallying around. And I know after the video was played on MTV to Ad Nauseam, uh, a, a lot more uh, blue jeans were ripped um, from uh, basically crotch <laughs> to ankle. You want another fact? Give me some uh, hysteria facts, Luz. Sure. By less than a year out, though, uh, and before the single hysteria came out, they, Hysteria had sold 3 million copies already. Okay. 
Yeah, but and that's by still the way, a year to get there. You're telling me. Yeah, yeah. Well, less than a year. Spring of '88. So, but they sold three million. And by the way, it cites it right here. Uh, it was the most expensive record ever recorded up to that point. Oh yeah, that I knew. I, I did not know that. I just knew it was expensive as fuck. I didn't know if there was other, you know, big pop artists that uh, had a bigger budget. What what uh, what else you got on this one? I you know I don't know. I think we've covered. I mean, pour some sugar on me enough. Uh, go ahead and play your favorite uh, four seconds of it right here. I'd much rather have a woman say pour some sugar on me than jizz on me tits. Hey, hey. So now we're up to the 19th single off the record. Uh, <laughs> I, think I, I mean, we're, we're, we're barely into this, and it does feel like, oh, my God, that, that this album just went on forever and ever. But uh, Love Bites was the next single. It was. And I can tell you that, that this, along with Pour Some Sugar on Me, really confused me. The first time I heard this title... I'm like, love bites. Does that mean, like, love sucks, man? It bites. It bites the big one. It does or, not. Or does it mean hickeys? It means it, – it, it's a play on words. It's it, The song is talking about love biting like bad, but uh, love bites is, is kind of English slang for hickeys. So in their vernacular, it's, it's a pun. Right, but it means love bites, love bleeds, but all this kind of stuff. I was like, eh, I just never liked the lyric. It, it was very confusing. Bring like, me to my knees. I did, I did think that because of the track order, um, you know, I, I think I don't have it. But is the track order, is love bites before pour some sugar on me? Yeah, it goes animal, love bites, pour some sugar on me. Right, so I thought the pour some sugar on me was like an antidote for love bites. Like you pour it on there and it, and it cures the, the, what ills you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everybody knows you rub sperm on a hickey. <laughs> so that's what I mean. Jizz on a hickey. There's your Def Leppard tribute band. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'd like to see that in a banner. Or maybe they can they can name their box set that. If if, <laughs> if, if they ever do like a Def Leppard vault, they can call it Jizz on a Hickey. <laughs> that would be great. I'd like to see the graphics, everything like that. It'd be, It'd be the uh, unused covers from Metallica's Load. You know what the next single was, right? Uh, I do not. What was it? Hashtag me too. (laughs) I think that, yeah, thanks to Courtney Cronin Dold, uh, that's probably going to be our next calling card. That'll be our bumper sticker or something. Or as uh, Stephen Michael likes to say, pound me too. (laughs) Well, we're off to a running start here with Love Bites. Uh, Do you like the song? I don't. So far, they're two for two uh, for me on their ballads. I like the song a lot too. But yeah, uh, well, I don't have a lot to say about it. It was a cool track. Uh, you know, you, you'd put it on when uh, you're ready to get, uh, you know, smooth with the squish. You know, but uh, it, I, I can't tell. I, I can tell you this: as much as I tried, Def Leppard never got me laid. Did you know that "smooth uh, with the squish" was actually the Bullet Boys' uh, work, working title? <laughs> we are we are really digging up some obscure facts tonight. Yeah.
So, Luz, tell me something. What was the sixth single? Because we know what number seven was. So, this is the this single is the one that I always say is a great reason for leaving a party if somebody plays it. All right. So, on the album, you have a trilogy of stupid song titles all in a row. It goes Love Bites, then Pour Some Sugar on Me, and finally... Whoever thought this was clever needs to be kicked directly in the face, and that is Armageddon. Well, you know what they're trying to do here was top that uh, Wango Tango into Wang Dang Sweet Poon Tang uh, stretch <laughs> that Nugent put together on uh, Great Gonzos. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I know I'm a not a getting it. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm a not a getting it. No, no, this is this is a bad bad song, and uh, yeah, so that. that that's it. That's all I have to say about this. I can just move on from this this song. I hate that uh, guitar part on this. It's yeah, just it's horrible. Everything. I, I was surprised when they made this a single. I, I was surprised when they put it on the record. To be honest with you, but uh, people liked it. Um, honestly, by this point, it I'm was getting it. I'm it was kind of like it. you know. Back then, a band could get so big that everything they did for that little period was good. At this point, Def Leppard was bulletproof. They could have shat out. I mean, they they were basically Beyonce of our time. They could do fucking anything, and it would be amazing. I mean, they just released a record uh, with a one-armed drummer, and they had to sell (laughs) $6 million to make a profit. You know what they did? They said, there's $12 million for you fuckers. Never question Joe Elliott's decision-making again. That is right. But, but think about this. The, my favorite part of Armageddon it that summarizes everything for me is when, is when Joe Elliott goes, come on, Steve, and like hands it to him, and all Steve does is go, like, yeah, maybe he wasn't in great shape at the recording of this record either. Who knows? No, but that's... It doesn't even have a guitar solo. Is my point. That's <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about. He just kind of does that little, little strumming thing. Now, God's of War. Your Boom. thoughts? I had a 1970 Chevy pickup truck with a J, uh, a Kenwood. Uh, auto reverse, uh, auto Ooh, search, auto, auto I mean, reverse. This thing was loaded. It was a forty watt cassette deck that I paid three hundred dollars for at Best Buy. I had a couple of Pioneers that I drilled into the sides of the 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 the, the back window, and I would on Friday nights in Owatonna. People in small towns, I believe, do this elsewhere too. We had a Central Park that we just basically drove around when we were bored. I would play this song almost just the first. I don't know. 20, 30 seconds of it as loud as I could, just kind of like driving slow, like <laughs> I don't know, but just that, I I mean, I like the song, I would I would eventually get around to play the whole thing, but I would I would like try to find that sweet honey to kind of like pull up next to and like, you know uh, <laughs> and, get... and woo her with Gods of War <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I already said Love Bites and Hysteria wasn't working for me, so I had to move on, you know. Oh, yeah. I had uh, I had no game. You know what you should have done? You, you pull up the ladies and go, like, watch this. As soon as Armageddon it ends, it flips over. Oh, the reverse, <laughs> baby. But I think the first side's a little shorter, so you kind of sit there for, like, 40 seconds. <laughs> That's right. There's, a, there's an awkward pause.
great side two opener too, don't you think? Yes, big. You know it's never going to be a single, and it also uh, it's completely it's almost alien to the rest of the the album in a way. Yeah, you know. Well, I, I, mean, I, get, I know what you're saying there. I mean, it still has the same production and sound, but it definitely is a song is you know a, a little bit of a standout. Sure. And it's interesting because I think the is the entire first side singles. I think it is. Yes, yes, it is. Yep. Okay. So it's it's interesting because, you know, there's just the title track on the second side. So a lot of these are, well, in comparison, side two is a bit of the deep tracks. Yeah, I guess if there are any, they're going to be on side two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, can we just read through these these uh, tracks and just... What's kinda, left, you're saying? Yeah, The, the le- non-singles? Yeah, and just say, like, which one of these could have been a single? Okay, yeah, run them down first, and we'll kind of give our picks. So, okay, so, so after so we, this list, we'll pick two from it, sounds like. We have Gods of War yeah. already, and Don't Shoot Shotgun. What's left, Luz? Run Riot, Hysteria, obviously, was a single, and then Excitable and Love and Affection. Well, the easy choice would be Love and Affection because it's a ballad, but that song fucking blows. Um, if I was Let's, picking the singles, yeah. I would, well, personally, I probably would go with Gods of War and... Uh, Oh, God. Out of those remaining three, maybe Excitable or Run Riot, probably. What do you got? The, the, yeah. The, 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 the record label, they were probably leaning towards uh, Run Riot and uh, Love and Affection, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm going to do that or, or maybe Excitable and Love and Affection because Excitable is not that great of a song, but I can hear it being uh, more poppy. I don't know. Yeah. I guess of these of these songs on the second side, um, that are the non-single, in other words, not Hysteria, I think the best two songs are Gods of War and Run Riot huh. of these. I don't know. I mean, I, the, Love and Affection, what a turd of a way to end an album, right? It's yeah. almost just like... How do you close this record? I mean, that that is the Mutt Lang influence, I think. It's like, now you're talking kind of the guy who went on to produce Shania Twain and and, and stuff of that nature, where, where he ends it with like kind of a, 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 I don't know, a soft rock ballad. I don't know. No, it's... It's, it's uh, Def Leppard. You're supposed to get kicked in the balls in the last song. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, th- these songs on here, like, like I, I remember liking Side 2 a lot when I was younger because Don't Shoot Shotgun, Run Riot, um, you know, those are, and Gods of War are more rocking than the first side for the yeah. most part. But then his songs, eh, they're not that good. They, I don't see how they could ever get to nine. There's really not two more songs on there. But then again, they did release Armageddon, it, so what the fuck do I know? Well, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, they're if they're going to put Armageddon it out there, and, and even like the Rocket being that weird six-minute song, sure, there's no reason you couldn't have done Gods of War or any of these songs, honestly. But uh, That's true. That's true. Well, I, I'm, I'm punching up Setlist FM, and they have like an average setlist for the tour, okay. and they, they played six songs on average off this record. And I guess that's a, that's a pretty sizable amount for a new album, even for that time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, it, well the, the songs they list here are Women, uh, Hysteria, Gods of War. Uh, so that's not a single. That's Animal, true. Pour Some Sugar, Love Bites, and I counted wrong. There's only five. I'm okay. sure I'm sure they rotated the, the singles in at some point. This is, the, like I said, an average set list, but... Yeah, you want you want to kind of summarize your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, we go through it, we go track by track. It may not sound like uh, I appreciate it as much as I actually do. I do think it's a marvel of production. 
songwriting and yep. just kind of the whole overcoming everything and then just delivering on such a big level. I also remember if this is, you know, my, you know, my 11th and senior years in high school, which were very, you know, very upbeat and positive and great years in my life. And De- I mean, Def Leppard's in my fucking yearbook is like, you know, like this is what was going on in the world. You know, it was like Def Leppard and Bon Jovi basically. And, uh, I just I, I I can put this record on from beginning to end and just listen to it while I'm doing something still. Uh, I like I said I I I would probably venture to skip past Pour Some Sugar on Me, but the rest of the ones, even the songs I don't like, I pretty much would just let play because I'm not sick of them all. That which is the big problem with Pour Some Sugar on Me. What about you? Yeah, I mean I think that like I'm saying about the, this album, was um, it worth all, how many lawns do you have to mow to buy this, buddy? Uh, I think two. <laughs> well, that's not bad. Two or three uh, tops. This is after my paper out, so I would have been working in a restaurant at this point. I was able to buy two to three cassettes, a, you know, every week. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. The main thing on this is that that I think that is the main reason I was interested when you said, "Hey, let's do this this uh, this episode," because yeah, there's a lot of of crazy things that happened. The fact that it did turn out, the fact that it's almost like a gambler being at at uh, staying at the table and keep going deeper and deeper and deeper to finally win as far yeah. as like how much this thing cost. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, the, I think the production is just amazing. Uh, you can go into the negative side. You know, this was pretty much, they took, this is the year of Bon Jovi and Def Leppard where all of a sudden the oh, floodgates. Uh, yep, yep. I, I don't think, I don't think before this year that the whole, like if somebody is in a, in a uh, sitting in the marketing room at the studio saying, Oh my God, between Bon Jovi and Def Leppard, we have now set the template to break into the female audience and to grab them instead of all these dudes. They you know? definitely took it to a next level. I think Motley yes. Crue has started to do it with uh, Home Sweet Home a little bit. Uh, Rat was kind of a chick band to a certain extent. Um, Not to this degree. No, though. no, this was, no. This, this, was, was, this, this was, was next the, level. This is yes. where dudes are outnumbered. But I will tell you this much. I saw the whole Def Leppard-Kiss uh, combo uh, whatever, five years ago, whenever they did it. And what I can tell you is, is Def Leppard mopped Kiss off the stage that night. For They had a bad night to begin with, but the, the point of me telling you that is that when you see Def Leppard play for 80 minutes and every fucking song everybody in the audience knows, it's it's you forget that. You know what I mean? Between They're, they're a band that probably has, I would say, 15... Songs on the radio that people know. Yep. Right. It, mm-hmm. it, you, I, I guess what I'm saying is that you you just you dismiss that sometimes until you see a set where you're like, wow, this is stacked. Every single song people know here, and they play for what? There's very few bands that can play for 90 minutes or any length of time, and every single song is a hit. You, you yeah, agreed. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I, don't, I, I won't bother trying to throw on a list, but uh, it is weird how certain bands. Like, I get why Def Leppard opened for Kiss on that tour, but I also don't get it. You know what I mean? It's no, like Def Leppard no. reached heights Kiss never did, but they never sustained. I mean, it was basically pyromania, hysteria, and then just a steady decline where Kiss kind of peaked you know, when they did, but they kind of just wavered around for a long period of time and more of a rabid fan base where. I, I think it's it might be the as simple as the male female thing. You know, men don't look at like you know, 
things like getting married and having children as reasons to stop going to rock concerts, and women right. do. You know, women uh, don't even like the same women they liked a year ago. You know, I mean, men have the same five friends forever. To that, to that end, uh, yeah, you're completely right. About and that. Kiss is more of a male-dominated audience, and Def Leppard has got the they got the pussy. Right, and, and there you go. End, I didn't, I didn't say squish. No, good job. That is, you're welcome. Yeah, still offensive. Uh, hashtag me too. But the uh, the 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 point Pound is me too. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, Stephen. Um, Sounds dirty when he says it. <laughs> it does. Pound me too. Yeah. In short, a band that has crafted some excellent pop rock songs, definitely part of rock and roll's legacy. And while Hysteria is definitely, I will still call it corporate rock. Listen, the corporations got me on a lot of these tracks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know what else you want to add on this before we uh, we move on. I think we did a great job. Nothing more for me to say anyway. Rock's not dead. It's overproduced and needs 10 million streams to break even.
pour some sugar on me. Pour some sugar on me came about because that's what I like me girl to say when I'm jizzing on the chip. Actually, pour some sugar on me came about because that's like... <laughs> pour some... <laughs> this is... Uh, pour some... Pour, pour, actually, pour some sugar on me is about jizzing on... Pour some sugar on me is about... J <laughs> pour, pour some sugar on me is just a song about me blasting me jizz. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.